wounds are infectious Like a dog scratched ear The pleasure is high Welcome to the Box Tunnel Survivors Group, a place for those affected by the issues raised in the TV show, Being Human. It's the Box Tunnel Pod. My name is Michael. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoy it. Seriously, you shag people for this. I have been meaning to record this top and bottom uh, of the episode uh, for a few days now. Actually, I'm not going to call it top and bottom. That sounds dubious. The intro and outro for this episode for a few days now. But it's been one of those months... On Christmas Eve morning, I had finished 10 night shifts in a row at 7am and then I got about three hours sleep and then my brother was visiting for a couple of days for Christmas. So he left yesterday, Boxing Day evening, and then our stepson arrived back from his dad's house on Boxing Day and he's been quite noisy. Now, look, I'm not going to moan at him, it's Christmas so I thought I'd let him be noisy on his VR headset and his new Mario game. I don't know what's called. Mario and the Fun Guys or something like that. And so I can't record while that's happening. And at the same stage, I'm not getting any time with my partner because I've done 10 night shifts. And on Christmas Eve, she was working a night shift. And on Boxing Day evening, she was working a night shift. Now, so I thought, well, there's no place because the house is full. It's noisy. There's no place to record this intro and outro. And now I've got the time. They've literally, uh, my partner's got back this morning. They've literally nipped into town to do something for an hour. So I thought, yes, I'm recording it now. I've got some peace. Literally half an hour ago, we've got a power cut. So as things stand, (laughs) I can record this because thankfully there is enough charge on my laptop to be able to record this. But as it's the 27th today and it's a full moon, the episode needs to be out today. This is this is the deadlines I give myself. It needs to be full moon. Earlier this morning, I gave myself an arbitrary time of releasing this episode at 2pm. And as things stand, I don't have access to the internet. So you're listening to this, so it's out. I don't know when it'll be out because uh, there's no internet. And can I just say, like, Christmas... It's overrated, isn't it? My God. All this hype for two months and Christmas Day is essentially just sitting around eating roast potatoes. And my my partner has cooked about, well, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day and Boxing Day, probably about 100 roast potatoes. And my stepson and my brother have eaten the vast majority of them. And I have had two literally with my roast dinner on Christmas Day. Roast potatoes, I'm, I'm calling it out now. Roast potatoes are overrated. And another thing that's overrated, we watched on Christmas Eve, Die Hard. Now, it's obviously the most dull discourse going, whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Let's just get this out and in the open once and for all. Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. It is set at Christmas, but it's not a Christmas movie. The Christmas party at the beginning isn't very Christmassy. 
And is he on Christmas Eve? I mean, who throws a work Christmas party on Christmas Eve? Yeah, just because there's some Christmas trees in the background and occasionally a couple of times someone goes, oh, Christmas, Merry Christmas. It doesn't make it a Christmas movie. It's just not. It's an action film set at Christmas. But the worst thing about Die Hard is it's fucking dull. Can can we just get this out there? Roast potatoes are overrated. And Die Hard is overrated. And Christmas Day is overrated. Um, we did subject something that is definitely not overrated. We subjected my brother to... It's it's become a tradition in our in our house to watch Nativity 2. We like we like the first one, but the Nativity 2 we absolutely love. Nativity 2, Danger in the Manger. And we inflicted that on my brother. Perhaps that's why he left last night, because we were just giggling at it, at the flying donkey off the cliff edge, or the stupid and quoting it out loud and doing weird dances to the songs. And uh, yeah, that's probably why my brother left earlier than planned, because we sent him a bit mad. Um, if I ever get Jason Watkins on to the show for an interview, which is highly unlikely, agents agents never reply. Most of the conversation wouldn't be about being human, it'd be about nativity. I just love that film. It's utter nonsense, but I, I absolutely love it. Anyway, this whole this whole Christmas talk is... You could be listening to this in July in 2029. So all this Christmas talk is nonsense. So let's just get on with the episode, shall we? Daddy Ghoul, then. It aired on the 27th of February, 2011. It was directed by Philip John and written by Lisa McGee. As well as, obviously, the quartet of our main cast... We've got Marion Bailey as Ruth, James Fleet as George Senior, Erin Richards as Nancy Reed, Jason Watkins as Herrick, Justin Salinger as Cooper, and Danny Webb as Marcus. Thank you very much for being my angel and my saviour, Hannah Booth. You are so welcome. I, I think I, I deserve... Do I get a prize for this? Uh, it's well. It's nearly Christmas. You get my season's greetings. Thank you. Is that um, good enough? That is. Um, it will do. It will do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To let people in, uh, we had a late cancellation. We tried to record this episode three times this this month, and I was so ahead of it, so ahead of it. Two weeks in advance, it was all going to happen. And as usual, it's coming down to the last minute. But um, yeah, so someone pulled out purely for personal reasons. And Hannah, the angel, has stepped in. But not angel in being human way, where it's a random dead woman um, who's speaking through radios and that. Oh, you could be my my podcast heir. Oh, my My, my protege. Yes. Oh, well, that, yeah, that, so, that is, I this, prefer that. If I die <laughs> or, or something bad happens to me, I you're going to have to... Well, <laughs> yeah, you could. Well, I was just thinking more like you're, you can take over the I podcast. Can take over. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's yeah. Okay. You can do the hosting. You can do the editing. All the ball ache stuff. But yeah. if you could bring me back to life, then fair enough. But I, I think dripping your blood on my face is not going to work. No, no, I don't fancy that. Mm, no, and as much as I like you, Michael, I think... <laughs> I'd rather you dead. <laughs> so, as the best things in being human come in freeze, 
I asked you a really awkward question and I was started, I was trying to think of answers to this and I, I kind of got nowhere on this. I asked for your three, three favourite TV dads. So here's the question. Oh. Who's your daddies? Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, I should have prepared myself more for this. <laughs> um, no, when you asked me that question, I was like, yeah, favourite TV dads. And then I started thinking and TV dads are shit. that's where i was going with it yeah it's so hard to think of any but i did well mm, i might be a little cheeky but i did think of three and i'm going from rather than biological dads i'm sort of looking at biological dads but also sort of father figures um people who have been dads because it's just so hard but yeah so my first one is an actual dad um and is gomez adams from uh, the Adams Family TV series. Okay. Um, I mean, I actually know him from the film, but he's also in the TV series, so that counts. You know him personally. <laughs> personally, yeah, yeah. He's giving me relationship advice. Uh, <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just love him. I think the whole Adams Family is just the ideal family for me. Nobody has ever said that in the world. The Adams Family is the ideal family. Incorrect on Tumblr, they do. Oh god. Um, but that's, my, that's probably yeah. why I stay away from Tumblr. Yeah, yeah. And who is your second daddy? My <laughs> sorry. Ah, uh, asking a lesbian to say "daddy" is upsetting. Um, my second one is my where I've talked about the father figure. Um, and I'm going for Laszlo Cravensworth from um, What We Do in the Shadows. Okay. Um, in the I can't remember which series it was. Um, series four maybe. Um, where he is um a father to um baby Colin Robertson. Um, and he's just wonderful in it because he's such a he has a real character growth during that series. Um, and it's wonderful to see. Or you could call it a daddy growth. Daddy growth. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Daddy growth, Laszlo. Um, then... What's we do in the shadows? It's something I've I've only got two or three series into it. And I don't know why I haven't gone back to it. But I, I need to catch up with it, really. Yeah, you do. I mean, it's. I think my favourite um, series has been um, the first two series. Um, but they're all really good. Unfortunately, it has just been announced that the next series is its last. Yeah. Um, which is upsetting. Um, so, but you know, you've got time to catch up. I th- um, I think I was a bit late to it initially, anyway, because I loved yeah. the film so much. I was so yes. so into yeah. the film, and I was a bit like, oh wait, it doesn't need a TV series. Different characters. <laughs> so I was a bit like that at first. <laughs> all right, so Daddy number three. And Daddy, Daddy number 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 three. Um, so again, a little bit of cheat. We're going for a granddad who is, you know, a, it must be a dad as well. Um, and Wilfred Mott from uh, Doctor Who. Right. Um, because he's just fantastic. Um, and Bernard Cribbins is a wonderful actor, R.I.P. Um, and seeing him back just briefly in the recent episode of Doctor Who was really lovely to see and made me realise how much I've missed him. Um, so yeah, those are my three daddies, granddaddies, and 
daddy adjacent characters. <laughs> did you did you notice in the last episode, uh, the giggle, where they had clearly an extra in the wheelchair being Bernard Cribbins? Oh, I did not. Yeah, there's a little moment where there, something is happening out in the street, and then Donna goes, "Get, get, Granddad away," or something like that. Yeah, and it's it's so blinking you miss it, but it's clearly not Bernard Cribbins. And I just yeah. I'm thinking, why did he even? I, I mean, obviously by then maybe he was ill by then and knew he couldn't yeah. film. So why did he even have to be in that scene? Because that at the end of episode two they could have just left it as, yeah, you know, the reunion with Wilf and that. But then they've got this really bad watch. Honestly, next time you watch it, you'll see you'll see. And someone put on Twitter a really close up screenshot of and it just looks like someone with a really patchy fake beard on and it looks <laughs> terrible i'm gonna have to re-watch it now because i completely yeah completely missed that and haven't seen anything online about it so and i love things like that so yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna re-watch that wilfred spotting yeah i, I, I just it makes no sense because he wasn't any part of the scene they could have just left it it was such a strange decision really what did you make of the giggle by the way I liked it. Yeah, I thought, um, I mean, my favourite of the specials was probably the second one, Wild Blue Yonder. Oh, I didn't um, like that one. Oh, you did? Oh, I saw your tweet about it. Oh. I was expecting it to be really bad. And actually, I really enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, the I see what you mean about the CGI, though. Oh, yeah. I think that's what took me out of it, I think. Yeah. And also, I think I'm not that massive of well, this is an understatement. I'm not that big a fan of Catherine Tate as an actor. Because Ooh, I know that I just feel like she shouts everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's in like, that, it's it, like yeah. I'm sat in the living room. I go, all right, all right, calm down. It's not the end of the... W- oh, okay, maybe it is. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I I really liked all three episodes, actually. It's just so... I uh, just... I have david tennant was my first favorite actor and is still probably my favorite actor to this day like love him so much um and just i love um david and Catherine's chemistry oh they yeah they've got great chemistry definitely. yeah they do so yeah all good but i'm really excited to see what shooty does um with the doctor next i think it was a good introduction yeah um if slightly rushed yeah, I guess it's gonna. And there's an element that it was going to be rushed anyway because it's only three episodes. Yeah. And I was hoping there'd be something a, a bit curious about the Fourteenth Doctor, i.e., there was a dark side or there was something went wrong in the re- regeneration. But it wasn't. It was just another, a slightly different version of Number Ten, and it was just a new Doctor. That's yeah. Yeah. But I guess then there wouldn't have been the time to do it. So. True, yeah. All very fair points. Well, Should we start a podcast on Doctor Who now? No, there's there's <laughs> there's too many of those. <laughs> All right, uh, being human then, Daddy's Ghoul. Daddy, Daddy Ghoul, <laughs> Daddy, Daddy Ghoul. So, so, someone had to do it. Someone uh, had to. It may as well be me. Uh, what do you remember, like, the first time you watched this, uh, How what your impressions were? I honestly can't remember. Well, um, next question. Yeah. Yeah, next question. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I do remember. I remember being quite frustrated by it because we'd had the whole Herrick back in the house, and 
I get a whole episode couldn't focus on that, but I remember mm. watching it the first time, and I think this is a thing that happens in eight run episode, eight run series of Being Human, where the the sixth episode is kind of a palate cleanser before yes. before all yeah. the shit kicks off. It's and my memory was I loved all the Mitchell Nancy stuff, I loved the Mitchell Herrick stuff, but everything else around it felt a bit too light and fluffy. Yeah. And no, espe- I felt, yeah. Sorry, and especially now we know that what happens with the reveal in episode seven, it, it feels like quite a leap from that. Yeah, I feel like it's a, it's a weird one. The tonal differences are quite stark. Uh, they weren't as bad in my rewatch yesterday. They no. weren't as bad as I had sort of remembered them to be. But compared to the other episodes, um, it is... I can understand why they did it. Yeah, I think they could have potentially managed it a little better. Yeah. But then maybe other people thought it was fine. Well, they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> the Being Human podcast, Box Tunnel Survivors Group says they're wrong. Therefore. <laughs> so therefore it is official. Exactly. This is, We are the ruling, uh, ruling critiques of this we are the being human overlords exactly yeah (laughs) all right so we'll start in paris 1933 and herrick mitchell are in their finery suited and booted and mitchell is a bit worse for wear and they're having a bit of a lover's tiff i said no recruitment herrick snaps mitchell righteously says he wanted company different company to herrick why not did you have something special planned john says and he takes a seat, a sexually sprawled lady in lingerie before them. Well, it would be sexy if she was alive. Uh, Herrick then goes on for one of his little speeches. The old ones, they're recruited at will, but don't recruit lightly. In fact, most of them only do it once. They choose a protege. It's an eternal bond. Why do you think some of us live forever and some of us are like fireflies? If you choose an heir, they inherit all your secrets and become a dark angel, your protector, your saviour. Saviour from what? questions Mitchell. Oh, perhaps the fate we've been led to believe there is no salvation from? So, Mitchell leans in. If something happens to you, and Herrick finishes the sentence for him, they can bring you back. So you want me to be your heir, Mitchell says, and they are rudely interrupted by a knock at the door. And a man with a dodgy tattoo, which I think is even dodgier than Howells in Series 4, enters. And Mitchell says, ah... Tomb service. The joke we have been waiting for for two series. <laughs> yeah. Yay! And I like that as a little touch that they've... And it's such a shit joke. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of the joke that I would make. I I, I, I love it. <laughs> but Herrick finds it fucking hilarious. Yeah. And yeah. so much so that like 70, 80 years later, he's, he's still telling that story. He forgot to neglect the bit that he mentions in the stories when he's telling it to everyone else in series one that they were having an argument at the time. Yes, yeah, and, you know, spreading knowledge of heirs and bringing back vampires and all of that. The, the other Valentines didn't need to know about that. And also, yeah, I know they were interrupted in this moment, but at some stage you'd have thought Mitchell in the past few decades would have gone, oh, do you know that heir thing? Yeah. What was that about? <laughs> I, that did occur to me. I was like, hang on, this is pretty 
big news here. This is pretty big information. You don't think that Mitchell would remember this, um, but obviously he now does. Yeah, so we we know Mitchell didn't become the heir because obviously he doesn't know how Herrick came back to life. So can we assume that Kara was his heir because she knew how to bring him back? And and of all the people, to, out of thousands or hundreds of people that Herrick probably recruited, why would he choose Kara of all people? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I was thinking about this and it's I feel like Herrick always knew that him and Mitchell, it wasn't going to be a forever thing. It sounds like, oh, the re- relationship. Hmm. Um, but M- Mitchell, as you see in this clip, is can be so di- well, difficult. Mitchell. Um, and so I don't think Herrick trusted Mitchell. Um, and he needed this promise of air protégé as sort of to keep Mitchell loyal, which didn't work. Whereas Kara was basically obsessed with Herrick, fully head over heels yeah, in love. So he didn't need anything to keep her loyal. He had that blind loyalty from her. Exactly. He? So he knew that if he'd given um, Kara this information of how to bring him back, she would have absolutely done that, mm-hmm. which she did. Whereas Mitchell might not have. And I, he definitely wouldn't have in this case. Yeah, that's a very good point. I, I, I But I would have thought their decades of of friendship would have been more valuable Tarek but but like you say he needs someone to just be a, like a a dog or a yeah. or a pet and that's not I'll rephrase that not a dog <laughs> like like a pet you know just yeah. just that will love him unconditionally no matter what absolutely and i feel like mitchell was not that it just it strikes me as Kara, come on. Kara, come on. You know, other people, even Seth. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so back at the house, George is all doughy eyed over Nina, staring at her intensely as she wakes from her slumber. He's excited about the baby Norge. Nina says, This is hardly the ideal baby raising environment. I don't know, somewhere without a dementia ridden vampire lurking in the attic, perhaps? George dismisses this. We don't need to worry about Herrick. We'll sort something out. And he's very casual about Herrick. Uh, Mitchell, probably wanting to add to his scrapbook of terror, scurries into his bedroom with a newspaper and the camera scans over an article. The article reads, Inhuman, who or what is responsible for the box tunnel murder? Uh, again, he's freaked out by Annie Renter ghosting in and she's being all flirty. What can I get you? A coffee? Tea? Me? <laughs> she sultrily suggests lying down on the bed next to the paper. And then she sees the paper. Oh my God. And you can see the uh, panic in Mitchell's eyes. <laughs> and, and there's a couple of little moments that it's Mitchell looks like he's about to go, right, I'm going to fess up here. Yep. I feel like this whole, this episode, you can make a, like a slideshow of just Mitchell panic mode. <laughs> there's a few bits where he's like, fuck. But yeah, here, I don't know what his plan was there. Like, what was he about to say to Annie? He seemed too casual about it. Well, I think in the sense that there's a moment later where it looks like he's about to say everything to Annie. I think the basis it basis of it would probably be in truth, but he would he would add illustrations to it because that's Mitchell's nature, isn't it? Yeah. He would deviate from the exact detail 
to not put him fully in the frame, but he would he would confess some things, but not everything. I think that's where yeah. he'd go with it to set self protection again, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. And also, I think this is the only first time I've really noticed it watching it this time is that this is a really different dynamic between Mitchell and Nanny this episode, mm. considering how it ended last episode. It was the the atmosphere in the whole house was fucking brutal. Yes. And Mitchell was at Annie and shouting at her and she was crying. And now, what, a day, maybe two days later? It's quite, you know, Mitchell's still the same. He's a moody fucker as usual. Yeah. But like, Annie's still like doughy eyed and... Yeah, I mean, they can't, they didn't make up at last episode. Um, but st- it does seem it is quite a um, jump. But I'm presuming, like, it, there's no. I don't think they say in the episode anything in reference to, like, how much time has passed. No. But it feels like a, at least a few days, if not more like a week, has passed because of um, the whole, like, Nancy it's things that Nancy said makes me feel like the call that Nina made was a a little bit ago. Yeah. Um. So I th- I can sort of understand that we haven't seen things and they've made up. They've played some games of I would say Monopoly, but we all know that ruins relationships. Um. So it's, you know something something nice to bring them back together. Is there something you you've got in your past where Monopoly has ruined a relationship? Just. Don't ask my parents about it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. Uh, Anya, it must be said, has some excellent eyesight as she zones in on a death notice, a very tiny death notice for George's dad. Uh, so Mitchell is saved by his friend's family's death. Yeah, although I was thinking, like, George Sands, it's a pretty, like, it's not the most unique name. <laughs> so, shall we, for the sake of argument, shall we call him Daddy Senior? Daddy Senior. Daddy, Daddy Senior. (laughs) Daddy. daddy. Uh, I think that could use with some improvement. (laughs) In the kitchen, the group are gathered around George as he processes this information. And Annie steps forward. Stop all the clocks. Cut off the telephone. Prevent the dog from barking with a juicy bone. The facial expressions around the table are fucking gold. Uh, George is slightly annoyed, Nina is miffed and Mitchell is awkward, but she's not done yet. (laughs) But know that you are not in this thing alone. There's always a place in me that you can call home. When you feel like falling apart, let's just go back, 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 back. I don't know how many backs are I love her facial expressions here as she's trying to work out how many backs to say. (laughs) You've got to fight and Mitchell just jumps up. Why don't we just give George and Nina some space? I love the Annie speaking lyrics throughout, like, as a running joke throughout the show. I just, it's so funny. And I I love what, I love that about her. Like, she just wants to make everything better. She'll just yeah. sacrifice herself at the altar of embarrassment. Exactly. <laughs> just to sing Cheryl, Cheryl Cole. Uh, in the bedroom, Annie can't hide be- behind her blushes. It's difficult to find the right words. In times like this, and why not rely on those of the literally greats like Auden and Cheryl Cole? <laughs> Mitchell says, "Yeah, Annie also says she's not very good with death, which is quite ironic, isn't it?" Yeah, <laughs> you'd think they should have pl- plenty of practice, but 
Uh, this is a big old episode for Girls Aloud fans like me, because there's another Girls Aloud moment uh, later on in the in the episode. Oh yes, there there is. <laughs> yeah, because this is this is written by Lisa McGee, and uh, did did you watch Derry Girls? I did, and I love Derry Girls. See, so, yeah, it, it, uh, it's in the last series, I think. There's a moment in Derry Girls where they dress up as the Spice Girls. Yeah. And so I think she's obviously a big a fan of girl bands, I think, because Girls Louder in this, yeah. Spice Girls were in that. And I have to make an apology. This this reminds me, in the last episode, I think I was so excited about the recent news of a Girls Aloud reunion <laughs> that I called Nicola Walker, Nicola Roberts, who's a member of Girls Aloud. <laughs> There's you have a... one thing in your brain right now. <laughs> I was just like, oh my god, they're touring again. You know, it happens to us all. I was I was, I was doing the editing and I went I was like, hang on, listen to that again. What did I what did I say there? I mean if it makes you feel any better, I almost earlier called Cheryl Cole Cheryl Hole, the drag queen. Oh. Which very different. So, you know, it's fine. See when when Cheryl Cole was really big as a solo artist, I don't mean like weight wise. Um, I kept on wanting to call her Cheryl C- Crow. Oh. <laughs> I don't know what it just, was. Yeah, just a yeah, quite a different singer there. But yeah. she could be Cheryl Crowhole. <laughs> <laughs> What's happened? What, where, what are we talking about? <laughs> that could be a drag queen name. Oh god! <laughs> so yes, back in the kitchen, we learn a lot, bit more about George's dad. George describes him as boring. He worked hard, never played away. I don't think I ever heard him raise his voice. He is, was ordinary, boring. I don't think I ever realised just how wonderful that was. And he wants to attend the funeral. Given recent history, that could be a big risk. But he says he'll be discreet. This is quite curious. But it seems like the wedding at uh, the wedding. Fucking hell, I've got my wedding on my brain now. <laughs> it's good because Cheryl Crowhole is playing at the reception. Oh, uh, fantastic! Can't uh, wait to be there. <laughs> um, yeah, it seems the funeral is literally on the same day that they found out this obituary. Yes. Very convenient. Everything is a little convenient. It just so happens that this general name is George's dad, and that. The funeral is the day that they've discovered it. Like, there's a few things that work out quite quite nicely in this episode. So, in we'll focus on the Mitchell kind of arc in this mm. episode next. And in the attic, Herrick is hyperventilating in the bed as Mitchell paces around him and sits on the bed. I know, and I felt it too. Right now, you're praying to a god that you don't believe in, begging for him to take the pain away. I'll just let you die. But if God does exist he doesn't listen to people like you and me i can help you herrick do you want me to help you you want me to make this go away you know why you're suffering you know you might not understand it yet but you know it's an instinct you need to drink (laughs) herrick is panicking saying not this insanity and he's writhing around having flashbacks to his resurrection as mitchell slices his his arm open i can make you powerful again I can make you strong again. He sounds a bit like McNair. It sounds like how fucking McNair would speak. <laughs> and did he really need to cut himself that much? <laughs> and this is what, in all of these types of scenes, they always like get a big knife and slash across their arms. And I'm like, 
Surely, surely you don't need to do this. He could like, have uh, put a little uh, drawing pin in his finger. Do you know how much paper cuts bleed? Yeah, yeah. Like, like yeah, there's so many other options. I, th- I think that would just look a bit less impressive on telly. Yeah, like, just on, Herrick wait, sucking wait. on Mitchell's finger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, daddy. I mean, Herrick is, <laughs> Herrick is kind of Mitchell's daddy. Yeah, no, yeah, in vampire relationships <laughs> way. Yeah, okay, right. But like, um, yeah, oh, let me find a, a notepad and then like rip a bit of paper out and do a little paper cut on his hand. It just wouldn't have that same kind of power, no, I suppose. No. We need him looking, yeah, Mitchell-like. Sexy and bloody. Sexy and yeah, the glare, the intensity of that cut, a little bit rugged. That uh, paper cut doesn't quite go with that. All right, all right, but... calm down. I thought you were a lesbian. Come on. <laughs> I did. I have a soft spot for Aiden Turner. <laughs> uh, and he says, you never did give me my inheritance. And the knife drops to the floor. I don't like it. Loads of TV shows do that. I think we're we're clever enough to go make a connection. Oh, Mitchell had a knife in that room earlier. Yes. You know, I, I know it's the next yeah. episode that it happens, but like we... we 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 know not that big old blatant shot with knife falling to the floor and being kicked under the bed or whatever it was. Uh, he pins Herrick down and forces his arm into his mouth. Come on, Daddy. <laughs> Sorry, said we, We've had extremely long lives, Herrick, and finally I feel complete. I feel happy. I mean, does he? <laughs> He's fucking miserable. Yeah. Hmm. I'm not ready for this to end. I'm not ready to leave her. A werewolf ripped you to pieces, yet you survived. I need you to tell me how. Herrick chokes and splutters out the blood, and Mitchell knows that his blood won't be enough to do the trick. Mm. I'm. You see, this Mitchell's words during this interest me because he says, "I'm not ready to leave her," which makes me a bit like, "Ugh, okay." Mm. But is it really about not leaving Annie though? Because what about George? Whereas I think, is it more about? Him? Mitchell just being at this point like scared of dying. I think like, it's that primal instinct of survival. Yeah, I, I, yeah I, absolutely. I, I just that's what it is. It you know yes of course Annie is a factor, but if I think he's lying to himself a bit. <laughs> yeah, I no Mitchell. <laughs> Mitchell lying to himself? <laughs> Never. Uh, uh, yeah, I I think if you're told that you're going to die soon, your every instinct would be to try and stop it or like mm-hmm. change change the situation isn't it yeah. uh, the doorbell goes and Mitchell answers it and is greeted by a shoe and an arm he steps out to be greeted by some ID I'm Nancy Reed CID I just need to answer, ask a few questions if you could try and answer them that would be great if you can't that's fine too because this basically is a barrel of balls <laughs> I'm from the major time-wasting unit. I just need to make sure I inconvenience as many people as possible. My heel broke. It was so ungracious. It was borderline pornographic. She has a cut to her knee and she Which licks... is really, really deep. Yeah. And licks her finger clean. Mitchell tries to hide his boner and she invites herself in to clean up. For the record, I'm putting this out here now. I fucking love Nancy as a character. Yes! I, know I love I love Erin Richards. Like, oh, I know, yeah, I know her amazing. primarily through Gotham, but she's so fab as Nancy. She's absolutely brilliant. One of my favourite uh, additional characters of being human, uh, yeah. Nancy. 
Yeah, and I, it's weird because she's a cop and she's after one of our people, but she's so fucking infectious with her performance. Yeah, 100%. Like, you don't want her to, you know, succeed because it it's Mitchell, but also I'm like, yeah, hell yeah, Nancy. You go get that guy. <laughs> Nina, ever the nurse, is patching Nancy up. Herrick is listening in from the attic. He lifts up Mitchell's floorboard, uh, floorboard of doom, pierces with scissors through the ceiling. Uh, so this is not a very well put together house, I think. Uh, he can spy on them. She says, I'm working on this murder investigation. It's not as interesting as it sounds. I'm basically mer- working my way through the books which are anonymous tip-offs given by any nutter with an axe grind. It couldn't be further away from real police work if I was straddling a pole in spearmint rhino. Nina is nervous. The consequences of her actions coming to the f- to roost here. Herrick is spying on Nancy's wound. Not a euphemism. And it's all going to get very messy from here. I mean, it's a good job she wasn't like changing a tampon or something. <gasps> yeah, no, I think... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, better option here, definitely. Uh, in the kitchen, viewed by Annie, Mitchell is questioned. And this is the first time Annie has had the Box Tunnel 20 mentioned with Mitchell in her proximity. Uh, Nancy says, I use this term loosely, investigating the Box Tunnel 20 massacre. Oh, and she takes a t- sip from the tea Annie made. My God, that's a good cup of tea. Seriously, I think I shag people for less. <laughs> Yeah, she's not very professional, is she? <laughs> well, I think, but this is, but this is what you learn as the as the series goes on. It's all an act. Yeah, it's it's a complete act. She's not, she's not as uninterested in the investigation. She's not just going, oh, this is all. She doesn't believe it's all a waste of time. She's playing, mm-hmm. she's playing the fool to probably, yeah, loosen them up. Yeah, maybe like get them to drop their guard. Yeah, exactly. But that compliment of the tea gets Annie on side, so I think that's why she becomes private investigator. Yep. Uh, Mitchell, as usual, is shady as fuck. It's... Oh, he couldn't be less reassuring and believable. Uh, this is like... Uh, yeah, like, this is what... I mean, we'll get onto it once Annie gets into private detector mode. Detector? Detective mode. <laughs> is... <laughs> she can see how Mitchell is around her, around the police... And she's no no part of her is going is setting up no alarms are being set off. It's really strange. Yeah, like he just yeah. I don't. Also, I just don't understand. This guy is you know a mass murderer. He has done so many so many awful crimes, things in the past. Um, and then one cop comes round, one investigator comes round, and he just cannot keep. He cannot be believable in the slightest. Part of that is because there's been the whole system in place, hasn't there? And that's all fallen apart. Yeah. That's... Yes, no other police... Well, at this point in the series... Yeah. Um, that, uh, you know, that he knows of protecting him. Yeah, and also it's, it's in his own house, isn't it, I guess? So that's another thing, and he... It, it's all closing in on him and he's living with people who are around, you know, George knows and Mitchell knows George knows. Annie, he doesn't want to find out. Nina is very suspicious. So, mm-hmm. And then there's Nancy there as well. So it's all 
all eyes on him, really, isn't it? I guess yep. that's probably why being a bit shady. Uh, Nancy says it's probably someone you've pissed off, maybe an ex-girlfriend or one of your neighbours. Maybe they don't like your hair, or maybe they d- they find that accent really annoying. Uh, yes, his body language is deafening, and his bulging eyes are a dead giveaway. Uh, and this is pointed out by Annie in the next scene in the living room. Don't put your mask on. There's no point. I can see through it. Uh, Mitchell takes a deep intake of breath and starts a, a confession of sorts, I I would say. And I find this strange because I feel like he's throwing Daisy under the bus here. Yeah. Which, if... I know he doesn't think Annie's going to go on to the police and stuff, but the fact that he's given Daisy's name... It, that yeah. it's a very strange thing thing to do because he says we look after each other exactly I sort of feel he would have been better off if he had just been like oh well I know it's probably a vampire because you know what else could have done that but I have no idea who it is because yeah. if they because as you said he doesn't know that she's dead um, like we don't even know how they left it them between them two and um, so if they do if the police do find Daisy like you know she could very well give him over so I don't know why like he's putting anyone under the bus just say yeah it's a vampire that's believable and then leave it be like nah nah yeah yeah and Mitchell goes on to confirm she may or may not oh sorry what I think of her or what she may or may not have done talking to the police it throws an unwelcome light on our, our world it's a betrayal and yeah I do feel he's throwing her under the bus or the train carriage. <laughs> uh, we have a code. It's not an honourable one, but we have to live by it. So yeah, he's thinking that Annie's just going to accept that and keep stung. Which ain't going to work, because this is Annie. <laughs> we, Annie explains, the only we is you and me. And if you won't protect yourself, then I will. And then she storms out. Not gonna. I love Annie so much, but... She can be a little annoying. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's... I mean, she says I can read you, uh, don't put the mask on, but I, she can't. No. She. I mean... I, yeah. I don't know what she's playing at. I mean, there's a lot of criticism of Annie's behaviour in Series 3 that it is a bit... I don't know, I don't want to use the word ditzy because that's a horrible word, but just... I mean, literally not reading the room, is it? No, I feel like she had a lot of character growth in Series 2, Series 1 and Series 2. She really came into herself. You know, she was badass. She was using all her superpowers um, and being really cool. Um, but Series 3, it's just felt like a little little step back, as if her only plot is Mitchell. Is Mitchell. Yes. Yeah, yeah. which... I'm so glad that um, Lenora, Annie, was kept on in series, carried on in series four, because we again got more of that Annie that was so great in series one and series two. Um, I think, yeah, it's a shame because she is, I love her so much. But then there's the argument of the werewolf storylines are becoming less about, if you think about all the stress that George had in series two about fighting the werewolf 
and now it's gone to well, it's just it's George and Nina. Uh, they it's 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 a pairing. It's Mitchell and Annie and George and Nina. Yeah. Whereas the werewolf thing, at the moment, it, apart from the baby, isn't as much of an issue. The whole transformation thing. So it's that whole yeah. thing like people might moan that there was a change of cast and some of the change of cast is forced but after a certain while where can you go yeah exactly and especially this series and don't get me wrong i think series three is i I love it so much it's one of my favorite series um but it is it sort of becomes quite the mitchell show Mm. um potentially for understandable reasons but i do like it's very much um yeah as you said the werewolf it is the bait whole baby thing but the actual them struggling against themselves um it's sort of just not not really um it, yeah dealt with. Uh, yeah well, yeah but uh, that stories evolve and that's fine yeah. but sometimes there's a limit yeah to there's, how there's, much you can say that's it there's a limit you can't yeah. go on with that for five six seven eight series no, because you then go around in roundabouts yeah. and, yeah, you end up treading the same path. That's it. All right, so Herrick is stalking the corridors. Mitchell's blood obviously having some effect as he scowls at the daylight permeating through the windows. He enters the bathroom, goes into the bin, picks up the clotted t- up tissue of blood of Nancy. That thankfully is not a tampon. Oh, he could suck it like a lollipop. <laughs> Thank you so much for that imagery. <laughs> and sucks on it, good and proper, his eyes changing as he does so. I guess we can be thankful um, that it is just a bit of tissue and not like, I don't know. What if it is a sink full of blood or something? You could like maybe scooped it up a with cocktail. a straw. A cocktail. There we go. He could have made a cocktail out of blood. Do you know what the cocktail could have been called? Daddy's uh... Daddy's Ghoul. I'm not. I'm not being rude. Okay. You thought I was going to be rude. Then, I'm didn't always you? very wary when you start something like that. <laughs> A cocktail from the sink. Yeah. Blood, bl- blood, sweat, Mitchell sweat, mm. and uh, I mean alcohol, and alcohol, and, yeah. and vodka and rum. There you go. There we go. That's yeah. the that's the daddy's goal. Yes, love it. I will be putting the recipe up in the show notes. Uh, (laughs) Nancy is at the station harassing her boss to question Mitchell again, but he's having none of it. And we glimpse, surprisingly, Annie watching on in the office. Cooper, as he's called, puts her on office duties. Look, I know I can be a pain in the arse sometimes, she's pleased, but I'm barely clinging on to this investigation and it matters. This one matters. I saw those men and women or what was left of them, and I want to help catch the bastard that butchered them. Uh, it's not enough, though. She is still desk-bound, and Annie saunters into shot. So, like some cockney fucking policeman from the bill. I don't know what it is. This place will be the death of me. Nancy has already declared her death warrant after about a third or fourth scene, which is a very being-human thing. Very being-human. And now Annie thinks she's a cop. Tell me about it, Reed. Tell me about it. Annie is a private... Detective, what do, what do you reckon to it? This whole Annie goes into starts fighting crime. Mm. Um, I mean, it is at least as we were saying that she becomes a bit 
her plot just sort of centers around Mitchell. Um, so in a way, it's sort of a bit nice to have her break away a bit from the hopelessly devoted to you role, even though it slightly is. Uh, but yeah, it's. I'm not. I'm. I don't really care to be honest. It's. Yeah, it works. It's fine. Sort of, it, yeah, it's, it's fine. It progresses the story on. There, yeah. there needs to be a leap from Nancy. Well, there needs to be a leap from just Mitchell being suspicious to to something leading to his arrest. So there needs yeah. to there be, needs to be that connection, I suppose. Yeah, and I think yeah, Annie was the good a good character to do that because it's it's quite tragic. Uh, Annie is stopped in her tracks as she spies Leah on the office wall. Dun, dun, dun. Yes, back at Honolulu, Annie is battering Mitchell to tell the truth, and then she places a picture of Leah onto the table before him. Who's that? He, he states his ignorance. In that place, before you came to get me back, before you saved me, she was there. I thought you might have met her. Uh, he's shaking his head. She has murdered Mitchell in the box number 20. I need to help Nancy solve this case, not just for your sake, for Leah's too. So yeah, I guess there's the connection as well. So, yeah. 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 Mitchell's face paints a thousand pictures and here he, he is thinking, what the fuck is happening to my life? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mitchell. <laughs> At the office, Nancy picks up a post-it note left on the desk. It reads, Box Tunnel 20, ask Jay Mitchell what Daisy did. I mean, how long have you got? Yes. <laughs> anyway, back in 1940-something. <laughs> so, yeah, Annie is literally leading Nancy back to Mitchell again. Yes, he's essentially trying to convict her own boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah, oh. Mitchell needs new housemates after this. <laughs> At Honolulu Heights, Herrick stalks the hallways once more as Nancy returns with a smile on her face. Mitchell isn't smiling. Uh, He's feeding ignorance and Annie watching on is pushing him for answers. Do you know her surname? And he kind of mumbles something. Hannigan, Hannigan Spiteri? He confesses that she mentioned the box tunnel 20 to him. She seemed to know a lot about it. She could describe the scene and the bodies. It was as if she had been there. I mean, to an extent, Mitchell is being forced into a corner here, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Nancy goes into the bathroom, thankfully not changing a tampon. <laughs> but that fucking window in that oh. bathroom drives me mad. Oh, I've just written in my notes, Herrick is so freaky in this episode, so creepy, three exclamation marks. Yeah, this is where the episode is the best with Herrick just like being oh. fucking sinister. And I just love like the... Like, I mean, Jason Watkins is just an absolutely fantastic actor. Just from that first, the flashback scene, mm. how Herrick was in that, to this Herrick. Yeah. It's just, oh. It's two different people, isn't it? Yeah. While also being the same character. It's, yeah, it's very well done. Yeah, so he's staring with dead eyes through the window as she <laughs> washes her hands as she opens the door to him standing there. Uh, nervously, of course. You smell nice. And she says, thank you. With such a gulp in the throat. And I love that delivery as well. Thank you. I've met John. He's lovely too. Herrick sniggers. I can't tell you. It's a secret. She says, I'm good at keeping secrets. You can whisper it if you like. 
and Her- <laughs> Herrick tells her to come closer. He feels her pulse in a tense few seconds, and you can see the the fact that he's fighting the impulse, and he holds back, whispers into her he- ear, I can't tell you, but I can show you. Show me what? Come back to the shaken voice from Nancy, where he buries his nightmare. I love that line. It's so, yeah, it's, this whole bit is really good, and I'd forgotten about how just unnerving it is. Like, you know, you've got the whole of being human, and there's some pretty fucked up things that happen, but that That's why I like there, it. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> um, but that scene there, it's so, almost so mundane. Like, you know, it's not horror in the slightest, um, but it's just, and it's in a bathroom of all places, um, but... My goodness, both of those, both of them are just, it's so good. So good. Uh, Nancy opens the floorboard and sees the scrapbook. Then Mitchell catches Nancy trying to scarper the house. I thought you were supposed to solve crimes, not create them, commit them. He tensely rubs his hands together. You've taken something that doesn't belong to you. It's quite a collection, John. Bit of a sick hobby. So is taxidermy, but there's no law against that either. She hands the book back. You really shouldn't have done that, Nancy. And she flees the house and Mitchell finally, finally burns the fucking scrapbook. Oh my gosh, about fucking time, Mitchell. (laughs) (laughs) What is he playing at? Honestly, that whole scene between them, again, like, just so many, like, small scenes in here are just so effective in this storyline. And I was so entranced by it. I completely forgot that I was meant to be, like, thinking of notes. I was just like, I've seen it so many times. And yet it just absolutely grabs me and pulls me right in. Yes, brilliant. Um, it's very good. And it's also, like, interesting to note that Nancy and Mitchell have both been giving off fronts and acts to each other. Like Nancy until now, like I said earlier, has been baffled and confused and, you know, not interested. And so far, Mitchell has been kind of aloof and confused to her. Mm-hmm. But now he's like suddenly sinister and dark and very knowing. So it, it's disgu- it's disguise has slipped. Yeah, I think he, he now he's just like, oh, well, she knows now. Fuck, I'm going to use my big bad John skills. <laughs> All right, so the George and Daddy, Daddy Senior storyline. At the funeral, George is looking increasingly suspicious, suspicious, prancing around the graveyard looking behind trees. And he soon spies a man doing the same. That man, it turns out, is his dad. Also not very well disguised spying on his own funeral. No, all it would take is one of those um, attendees to look up yeah. And you see them. Yeah. Go yeah. like, isn't that the guy that's dead? <laughs> <laughs> uh, they embrace, and George delivers the news that he's a ghost. George's dad is trying to get information out of him from what is a pretty garbled speech in his translation of it. Mm-hmm. And he's not sure why George thinks he knows he's. But George thinks he knows that he's a werewolf. I don't know why George would suddenly make that yeah. connection. Easy. And you'd want to potentially, like, clarify... Because there's so many more understandable things. Uh, it's just miscommunication. This... <laughs> That's being human at heart, though, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, he looks at the mourners and sees the man comforting his mum. It is his old PE teacher. Uh, in the caravan, 
where Daddy Daddy Cool uh, <laughs> questions where she started seeing Mr. Logue. George is furious that dancing classes went from shaking their hips to touching their bits. What did you do when you found out? Well, Daddy Senior sighs defeatedly. Oh, whoa, whoa, relax there, Valentino. Uh, Daddy Senior offers to make tea. Oh, not another ghost who makes tea that can't they can't drink. And an obviously confused George Senior just holds back and stops making the tea. On the allotment, George is explaining the rules of ghosts and their unfinished business and the whole issue of the doors. And they come across a burnt-out shed and we learn that his death was caused by a fire. He'd fallen asleep. Uh, he gets jittery under persistent questioning and makes his leave. Yeah, like you say, I mean, the heart of it is quite dark because, you know, as, as far as we understand now, his dad's been burnt alive in a shed. But the tone is so light, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And if you think about, like, how they sort of dealt with yeah, it's a it's a weird tone. If you compare it to Annie finding, uh, or rather, more her, Annie's her mum coming like, to to her. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And the emotional yeah. connection of it. And yeah, yeah, that, uh, some of that storyline was silly and funny, but there was that real kick in the teeth towards the end. That yeah, emo- and- that emotional connection, and it doesn't really happen here. No, her. Annie and her mum's story was treated as like a drama rather than like comedically. Yeah. Even though in the rest of the ep there were funny moments, that particular narrative was dramatic, emotional. Whereas this whole thing, yeah, there's bits of drama, but overall it's pretty much all comedy. It's um there's so many funny, witty jokes, quirky moments. Um, the characters are just a bit odd. Um and so I definitely think like there is a limited emotional um, reaction um, content to this, and I was thinking about potentially why, because I know you sort of asked um, about it beforehand, um, and I feel like part of the issue is that we just don't know, we haven't had anything about his parents, his family before. No. He's never mentioned them. The only thing we know about them is that they're Jewish and they're not even they're not even Jewish really in this episode that's and he's never really mentioned them I don't think at all and so we have no it's just these could be a random couple of people that have just been added that's how it feels yeah you're right that's how it feels and and also the Annie storyline she progressed from there it you know it did her ultimately good. She reconnected with her mum, and she went on from there. And it 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 gave made her make a decision about her life or rather death, and there was progress. Whereas yeah. here at the end of it, it's like all right, they appeared, bye, and George they're off to Cornwall. Yeah, and George George George's dad dying should be a massive thing. And don't get me wrong, I love like the comedic elements because some of it's really funny. But yeah, but. It should be a massive thing, and it's it just feels like oh, yeah. I mean, I was because the reaction that George gave to finding out his dad died, um, you know, you'd think oh maybe he didn't get on with his dad. He hasn't seen him him in decades. But actually, as they mentioned, it's only been three years, mm. and they did get on fine. Yeah, they weren't necessarily particularly close, but there wasn't. 
you know, it, it, it's just some weird reactions, and I don't think it quite works as a sort of believable. Not that, not that you know, being human is the most believable <laughs> show in the world. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's missing something for me. Yeah, I mean, from the very start with the Annie song at the beginning, it's it is a, a played for comedic effect, isn't it? Yeah. Where there isn't that emotional resolution to it, which no, Annie I mean, they're never mom. mentioned again. George no, bloody that's it. dies, <laughs> and yeah. they never see try to get in contact again. That's it. Yeah, yeah, it's really strange, really strange. Whereas, yeah, also like Annie, you know, gets her mum to go to a gravestone and all that kind of thing. So she, so Annie's mum can has re- resolution as well, and nothing, nothing here. That's that's. I think that's why I feel so frustrated by this storyline. I think. Yeah, it feels very much thrown in. Just yeah, which is a shame. Okay, so Daddy Senior seems to think that watching Titanic is his unfinished business. So that's form of punishment from satan himself we have the most middle-aged montage to ever exist <laughs> so next uh george jr pays off his newspaper tab at the news agents and then he starts telling auntie linda on the phone that you can't actually eat carbs on the atkins diet <laughs> uh, but ultimately he wants george to visit his mum but he does not want to nina turns up so if you think about where my mind went what what's Titanic? About three hours long? Oh gosh, I don't know. It's a long film though. It's about yeah. three hours long, and he went to the news agent, blah blah blah. So say about three and a half, three hours forty five minutes. Nina in Barry is about nearly four hours away from wherever his dad is. <laughs> yeah. So he went to the literally the funeral on the day. Don't question it. It's fine. I, my, in my view of it, it's taking over a couple of days. George has got a um hotel somewhere, a, a Airbnb or a Premier Inn. He's staying in, <laughs> and he's there for you know. It's taking over a few days because he's gone. They're gone for a few days. Um, I guess so. I guess they are. Yeah. So, yeah. Let's not question it too much. <laughs> Nina and Daddy Cena have some alone time in the caravan, and he's half-heartedly probing her for answers. He clearly thinks both are off their heads. When George left, she she retreated. I couldn't drag her back. There's a comparison there to the Annie and Mum storyline, really. Which is, that that's the only real bit of emotional connection we get. Like, the fact that we know that George's mum was lost. Yeah. But we don't see it. You know what I mean? No. The, uh, yeah, so the guilt runs deep through George. Yeah, so Nina says to him, the unfinished business, he doesn't think it's something he has to do. He thinks it's something you have to do. If you could visit your mum, if you could re- be a reunited family again, he knows he'll be able to move on. And George says, I can't do that. She grabs him by the collars. I don't think you have a choice. And they walk up to his mum's house and she answers the door. To her assumed dead son. Hi, mum! <laughs> Surprise! I'm not dead! Yeah, I, I mean, I don't... I don't like slagging off people's performances. But I would say George's mum doesn't feel like she's just been reunited with the son that she thought was dead. 
No, I think, and I'm sorry to the actress who plays her, but it's possibly the weaker, weakest. Um, it's a bit like, oh, <laughs> you, oh, you left the door open or yes. you left the lights on. That's how <laughs> agitated she is. It's not like my son who was presumed dead <laughs> after my late, well, after my ex-husband has been um, quite dramatically killed as well. Yeah. <laughs> Burnt alive. Not, you know? A lot of trauma going on there, but it's yeah. like, oh, yeah. Uh, inside the house, Mr. Logue is spitting with rage. I do like Mr. Logue. Yes. <laughs> he's so awful. He's, oh, he's horrendous. He's but he's got some great lines. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> Their excuse is that they were in a cult. Yeah, we've uh, secretly chipped away at this wall every day and then covered up the hole with this old poster of Rekha Walsh until eventually we were able to tunnel our way out of there. Lo dismissively says, isn't that the plot of the Shawshank Redemption? Nina chips in. Well, that's where we got the frankly ludicrous idea from. Uh, George Back with his amazing tales, his amazing lies. His, his pop culture references. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Her smoking the bandit one was the one, another one in the series. Uh, Marcus blames George's mum and preaches about parenthood. I am a teacher, he proudly states. Of rounders, says Nina. Uh, his mum isn't having it. I've been I've been scared for scared for three whole years. How have you any idea how selfish and cruel that was? I don't know you at all, George. You left the bloody lights on all night, George. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is that is how it is. You know, Mr. Logue is much more angry and confused than... Yes, then he sort of... Because I'm thinking it mustn't be too long since they split, from what I'm getting. No. And so he's... he's very, he must have some real... Backward thinking, of some really angry thoughts about George from when he was teaching him P.E., yeah, that's Bad it. was George up here. <laughs> bad. Come on, we can assume bad. Uh, and yeah, that scene is kind of done. So li- literally after an un- unsuccessful mission all round, George and Nina return to the caravan park and discover uh, Daddy Senior dancing to Girls Aloud in Eating Crisps. I mean, that sounds like an awesome night in to me. <laughs> yeah. But uh, even in then, like George isn't that upset that he's not reconnected with his mum no and also seems yeah i don't know how i feel about them realizing he's not dead either it's almost like oh 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 well that's new rather than what the fuck you're not dead like yeah uh... some reactions i think aren't yeah and i also don't know the rules exactly but I mean, being George being around Danny, would there be something different that he would know that she was a ghost? You know what I mean, like yeah, some some sort of squishiness. Yes, yeah, where, you'd think yeah. he might have, but maybe he was just. Um, that was what. Because why on earth would his dad fake his death? That like, because as he said, he said his dad was so boring. Hmm. So why on earth would he presume that his dad faked his death over his dad being becoming a ghost? Yeah, 
So yeah, yeah, you view it like he's lied to his his wife, and he's lied to his son now about yeah. about his death. Yeah, um, there is sort of an explanation to here because he says to George and Nina, when Ruth said she was leaving, I thought, is that it? Is that how it ends? Turns out there was a fire in his shed with a body in it. Uh, his friend, a police officer, Paul, gave him his phone to call around. Who do I call? My wife? My son? That's where I got the idea. I convinced him to help me. We made sure George Sands died in that fire. George Jr. insists his mum still loves him and shows him the obituary tribute. Always in my heart, always in my thoughts, your roof. And I like George Sr.'s nitpicking or the punctuation because it's a nice little touch to we know why George Jr. is like that. Yes. Yeah, there was another bit earlier when they were watching Titanic and they both put their hands yeah. behind the head. And That's I just, it. that little moment was very sweet. Yeah, so that is, I mean, there's an emotional connection there because, you know, the whole, well, who, who have I got? That is a nice touch. Yeah. But it just, I don't know, it just doesn't hit hard enough for me. I don't know why. Back at Ruth's house, not only has her son been confirmed undead, but her husband had officially back from the dead. The one time I'll agree with Mr. Logue here is when he sees two Georges stood before him. He says, oh, you're having a fucking laugh. I thought that as well. I was like, you know what? I can't blame you for that. That is exactly how you sh- what you should be thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Marcus is, is doing an unwitting family reunion barbecue. Couldn't lay our hands on a, a welcome home, you're not actually dead banner, even though there's obviously a growing market for them. <laughs> so many good lines. Uh, I mean, that's the thing, like, um, the comedy that is in here is really good. There's a is. lot of really funny moments. And I think if it was in a different episode, um, perhaps earlier earlier in the series or yeah. in a different series, I think it would have been... Re- it would have worked really well. You can still have that massive comedy element, but you can also hit hard with the emotion or the darkness if if you need yeah. to at the same you know in the same scene because being human is so good at that and it so doesn't good. it doesn't do that here. I don't know what it was. I think it's because it's being so played for comedic effect, it diminishes the importance of what's actually happening. Yeah, and also you are comparing it to the Mitchell um, Herrick. Yeah. Um, storyline which is so good and it's so dark that it just that contrast is even more noticeable yeah and this goes back to what i was saying i still have that i can understand it a bit more now but the first time i watched this and i was just like this storyline was a bit frustrating because i was a bit like yeah but we've got two episodes left yeah. and what's happening with mitchell what herrick's in the fucking attic and i mean he is in it more than i remembered the you know that first time i watched it but i'm thinking you know what's happening there you know mm. so maybe that's I, I haven't quite moved on from that some some episodes you can go oh yeah i can see what you know if you weren't that keen on a certain element you can go yeah i get it now but this i, I still struggle with it yeah no that's a very fair point uh ruth says you didn't fight for me for us you left the lights on you didn't take the bins out <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Marcus had a, has had enough and he tries ushering them out of the house but George Senior grows a backbone calls him a prick and punches him uh, is that the lesson here? violence works? yes I love Nina's getting <laughs> so good <laughs> oh yeah what I didn't like about this punch the punch was shit 
It's like a soap punch. It's like he literally like puts his arm forwards really slowly and you hear a massive like whack sound and then he goes flying. It's like, oh, yes. it's yeah, and it yeah, feels it felt like I, was, I think that's probably why I'm not that keen on this bit of the story. It just feels like I'm watching a bit of a soap. And I've never said any, that about anything in being human before, but that's what it feels like. It just feels a bit yes. like, oh, yes. I don't know. Yeah, it does. I, I now you've mentioned it. Yeah, I I can. I yeah, and that. especially, yeah, it feels quick and convenient. But there's also the moment where he says, "I came back from the dead for you, Ruth," and she goes, "Oh, whatever." She goes, "Oh, George." It's like, oh. <laughs> That's one note I made. They they got very romantic yeah. together very quickly after this whole thing and it's like it's it has literally just yeah. been a few hours since like you found out like it's very yeah i didn't that was and marcus sweet. makes his leave and it's now that george wants to declare that he's a werewolf to his mum and dad nina knows this will not la- knows this will land badly uh it falls on deaf ears and you know, there's basically the message from George Senior is keep taking the meds, son. <laughs> uh, you see, if you just clarified earlier, then you wouldn't have this really awkward moment. Yeah, th- this is okay. This is the bit I struggle with, and this I think this is the most critical I've ever been of any storyline in being human. It's not actually the basis of the storyline itself; it's it's the execution. I think is. Yeah. Is they go off to say their goodbyes, they go they head off to Cornwall, but in their view, their child has been in some missing for three years, presumed dead, or in some kind of cult. They know he's mentally ill, he says he, he knows ghosts, he thinks he's a werewolf after this three three year gap. Yeah. And also his girlfriend they think's on the meds and weird as well. And they just bugger off. And go, they just All go right, off thanks for coming back into our lives. Also, how quickly did they organise <laughs> yeah. that trip to Cornwall again? They weren't. To, they separated. They had all of this, and then they're like, "Let's I mean, go yeah, on, I, I on guess the with caravanning to Cornwall." I'm I, I'm I, I'm over six foot, so I hate caravans. So I'd never go on a fucking holiday in a caravan. I guess the, the point <laughs> of caravanning is you can just go right, and you can park up at you know random sites for. 20, 30 quid a night or whatever. You can do that. But it's just... This is what I mean by the whole emotional connection. It's just like, oh, this has happened. It should all be big. George George, meeting his dad, meeting his mum again. And it's all just... Huh? You're buggering off? Yeah, it's just a throw... It's a thrown throwaway um, story. Yeah, and it's a, such a shame because it's not like it's sort of middling in stories because it's not no. a bad episode in terms of like as I said, as you were saying, like the Mitchell and it does. Despite my first impressions well. back at the time, um, it does move that story on on a bit. I think I probably because the other storyline yes. wasn't that strong. I wanted a bit more of that. Yeah, but it does. Yeah, it does work, but the. And again, like I was saying, it's not as a as an idea. It's not a bad thing. Um, I think, yeah, 
finding that your dad has died and is actually alive. I, I'm not against that plot. It's just, yeah, as you said, how it's executed is not to the heights that we know being human can. Oh, be. All right, we need a positive to end on. Let's have come up with a positive statement. <laughs> There's an, there's an election <laughs> next year. The Tories will be out. There you go. <laughs> oh, gosh, don't. You've cursed All it All right, now. about the episode. You've cursed it. About the episode. I mean, I still... Re- I mean, this is the thing with being human. Even it's less good yes, episodes, absolutely. I still really enjoy watching. And this is the same. Like, this one was, like, there's some perfectly done bits really good like those scenes that i mentioned um acting is fantastic um in those scenes um and even then you know the the daddy daddy ghoul storyline it's funny and it does have a little bit of a breather for and that's one thing i do appreciate about it is that it's a series yeah. three is so dark it's so dark um and this is definitely this little daddy ghoul um subplot is probably the most upbeat story it is which again perhaps is partly because the rest of the series is so dark i mean so it is quite nice to have okay yeah a few laughs a few sort of non the world is ending oh my goodness what's happening all these characters are doomed do you do you think you know how a lot of tv shows now on like obscure channels just come up with a title of something first and they think what shall this show be about do you think that might have happened with this episode like oh daddy's school <laughs> that'd be a good title what can we do with daddy's school <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know what uh, the thought had occurred to me because we love a pun title um, uh, my <laughs> positive is gonna be nancy reed oh my oh, nancy my my icon, icon. The, the reason why I wanted to join the police force, and I'm not, I'm not in the police force. <laughs> uh, yeah, Nancy is. Uh, I mean, as a as an additional character or whatever you'd call it. I mean, and you, I worried because a lot of inhuman extra characters they literally come in for one episode and are gone. I thought, oh, we're not going to see her again, mm. which was a bit of a stupid thought at the time. But like, I'm so glad she she was in the next two episodes too. Yes. No, she was a really good supportive character. Um, and I'm really excited to watch the next two episodes as well. Because um, she is... She's just fab. Yeah. Well done, Erin Richards. And thank you, Lisa McGee, McGee for Did bringing us... Did you say Lisa Nancy. McGee? <laughs> McGee, isn't it? Wait, what's the name? <laughs> McGee! <laughs> McGee, I'm so sorry, Lisa. <laughs> I'm Lisa so Mujiji. Mujiji. The Bee Gees. <laughs> the Bee Gees didn't do that, he's cool. That, that's Boney M. No. <laughs> Many thanks to my heir to the podcast throne, Hannah, for joining me once again. Just to wrap up with a couple of notes from the afterlife, uh, the writer Lisa McGee has recently appeared on Richard Herring's uh, Leicester Square podcast, or Rahalestapa, as the cool kids call it. Yeah, a fair bit of the talk is centred around Dairy Girls, as you would expect. But she does talk about being human for two or three minutes in it. 
and she also mentions London Irish, which was a comedy back in 2013, I think it was, uh, which Sinead Keenan was one of the stars in it. It was about a group of 20-something Irish, Northern Irish people coming over and making their way in London. And I really liked it. It's unfortunate it didn't get a second series. And she does talk about like the disappointment and how it didn't get a second series and the troubles that writers face and the unpredictability. But um, yeah, London Irish is great. I, I assume it's on 4OD or Channel 4 or whatever the online thing they service they call now. What would the cool kids call this podcast? The Batsukaja. The Batsukaja. The B-T-S-G. The Batsukaja. I think I've finally gone mad. I'm not even drunk. I'm tired. And I hate Christmas. <laughs> um, so yes. Um, in terms of the storyline for George's dad, I, I feel like maybe going through the editing, I thought like maybe ha- have I been a bit harsh on it? And I just think the main problem is, it's just there wasn't enough time to explore such a big moment in George's character's story that it just, it just all felt a bit hurried. And I, I guess they could have played it like either George's mum or dad died and then you bypass all the meeting of the dad and then just go straight to the grieving mother or father and if you could work a storyline out that way and then maybe that cuts a bit of meeting up with the dad which took a bit of time and and left no room for any emotional connection but then maybe they felt if they did something like that it would be too close to the Annie storyline with her mum it's a difficult way you know um it it's such a difficult thing to balance and usually being human gets it mostly right and i just i'm not it's not me having a go at least in the gear personally obviously because toby and the team behind it are all all behind it and support what's happening it's just one of those moments and i it it just doesn't feel right it just feels flat and especially because it was getting to the conclusion of the series it just felt a bit throwaway and and George's dad dying shouldn't have been throwaway all right then you can follow the box tunnel survivors group it's box tunnel pod on twitter and tumblr and the box tunnel survivors group on facebook and instagram you can buy me a coffee not literally i hate coffee you know it's a term they use at coffee.com slash box tunnel pod and any donation there is just to help out with the running costs and would be much appreciated yeah i don't know how people run weekly podcasts how have you not had a nervous breakdown it's absolutely insane to me essentially i think if you donate any money to the coffee which i'll put a link to in the show notes it's just going to fund my therapy uh if you are listening kind of on time on publication date around publication date i wish you a happy new year until next time i'm just off to bury my nightmare
was the Box Tunnel Podcast. And thanks.